Welcome back to Chasing Shalome. Will here. It's been a while since our Little Women episode and we are thrilled to be back. Today we are discussing the trailer for Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Dane and I are joined transatlantically by our friends Robert and Josh from the podcast Torn Stubbs. You should go and check it out. It's on podcatchers everywhere. We are meeting through Zoom, so please keep that in mind with the audio. We had a lot of fun chatting, and we hope you enjoy it. I had a flash today that it would be cool if Piers Brosnan came back as an aging Bond. <laughs> that would be cool. They're going to have to do something after No Time to Die. Yeah. If and when it finally comes out. <laughs> well, you, got, like, you guys will get to see it. Are, are movie theaters open in England? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenet is out here on Hinge. Bill and Ted opens on Wednesday. Okay. But things keep getting pushed, like Wonder Woman's now just floating around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dune is the only one that seems to be like, nope, I want my film to come out in December. <laughs> it is the big Christmas movie because nothing says Christmas than Sam. Giant Sam. Right. Well, did you guys did you guys notice that in the trailer they don't actually give a release date? There's no mm. release date on screen in the trailer. Yeah. That's why. I think it's yeah. going to be pushed. Yeah. Because I I walked, guys, just putting it out there. I went to the gym today. Oh, yeah. Clang. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to walk past my local cinema and they've still got up posters saying like the King's Men coming March 21st <laughs> and all these other quiet place part two Top Gun summer 2020. It's tragic. So sad. Everything. Well, the fact that he's making that film again. The theaters here, they've stripped all the posters down because they just know how sad it is. <laughs> oh, it's so depressing. They don't seem to care over here. If I saw on the side of a bus an advert for Pet Cemetery, which came out two years ago. Holy it cow. is an abomination. Oh, it's oh. terrible. Oh, I didn't see it. It's really bad. Is there a world in which what happened like with Mulan happens with Dune, where like it gets <clears throat> released everywhere in December except the States, and we get some sort of like <laughs> premium access like streaming? Or do you think they're just going to push it for, the, for everything? Warner Brothers wants to make money. And they're not making money on Tenet. No. They've made no money on Tenet because it is fucking boring. <laughs> did you see it yet, Well, Yeah, I saw it on Saturday. It's, um... Okay. What did you think? It's too long. It, there's just so much exposition. Oh, God. It's basically someone reading the script. That's the consistent problem with a written and directed by, is that someone needs to take another pass at the script. Or he just needs a good producer to say... No, Christopher, no. Well, but Warner <laughs> Brothers will hand him anything and will tell him nothing. So he can yes. do whatever. It is very, it is so hard to understand what anyone says. And I also realized it's the first mm-hmm. thing I've watched without subtitles since March. And it was very wow. hard for me. Do you often watch things with I subtitles? I often do. Why is that? I have very loud air conditioning in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so american <laughs> i actually i had a similar thing when i saw tenant it was the first thing i saw in theaters in god i don't even know how long and i've always had an issue with one of my neighbors who bangs on the wall when my tv's too loud um <laughs> now it probably is on me because i don't know if you should have a surround sound system in a condo in a building i think that might not be wise however um so if they can't support your love of cinema, then they need to move. Oh, no, that's true. It was just funny because watching Tenet, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, 
I keep getting nervous the neighbor's going to bang on the wall because Tenet is so loud. <laughs> <laughs> but I... Oh I, I, actually, have... I thought the film was unbelievably loud, so much so that I put my fingers in my ears <laughs> and then... And then I put my Beats headphones in because I kept thinking, oh, I wish I had earplugs with me. Because usually I've got a set of earplugs knocking about because when I used to shoot concerts. Um, but I thought, oh, I'll just put these in. So I was that guy in the cinema with his headphones in, watching the film, just willing it, willing it to be over because it was, it was so joyless. There was no soul in that film. It's like Christopher Nolan said, I've got this really good idea for backwards shit and I'm going to write a script and it's going to be my purest vision yeah. and then he forgot to put in any sort of emotional connection he doesn't really do fun though does he you haven't seen it yet Joshua have you no I haven't seen it one important thing is in Tenet um, they've allowed Elizabeth Tobecki to be very very tall as she is <laughs> she is in frame in heels multiple times and for that I, I had to give it like at least a 3 out of 5 but I can't say much else for it. <laughs> but but they did have to turn the camera on its side to get her in. That's true. <laughs> I felt her role was exactly the same as her role in The Night Manager. So I was like, oh, I know this. Oh, I need I to watch her. that. I know this character. Well, you've seen her do that if you've seen Tenet. Mm-hmm. But The Night Manager is so much better than Tenet. So much that. better. So much better. Is this the pod, by the way? Have we started yet, or is this just pre-ramble? I mean, that's usually how the pod works. <laughs> yeah, no, I was trying to find a way to seg into Tenet being loud to, like, is Dune going to be loud? But then I remembered <laughs> it's a Hans Zimmer score, so it's definitely going to be... Beautiful. Beautiful, but also loud. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it will be. It's going to be loud. It's militant. Actually, you know what? I don't know if it's going to be traditionally Hans Zimmer loud because Dune is quite a spiritual story and it's quite cerebral. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's going to require all the <laughs> that Hans Zimmer usually brings. He's going to have to change the demo setting on his keyboard at least once during the making of this film. Maybe it'd be jaunty like Pirates of the Caribbean. That <laughs> score <laughs> is so good. <laughs> or everything on glass jars full of water. <laughs> so, Robert and Josh, have you both read Dune? Mm-mm. No. Rob doesn't read. <laughs> I do. Look. I Look how much you've actually read. <laughs> It's dense. It is dense. But I've had, honestly, this book I've had since I was 36. And you're now 37. I've had it since January. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's dense. I'm exactly 130 pages in and it's just picking up speed. It's really dense. No character has an unspoken thought. No character has an unthought thought. I've never seen so much italics used to distinguish what they're saying out loud to the multitude of characters that you struggle to remember who's who and what they're saying inside to no one in particular. But the world that Frank Herbert is building, or has built, because he's dead now, the book's 55 years old, it's an insanely amazing world that he builds. I understand the world completely within the first 10 pages. And that's that's a brilliant skill that I wish I had. What do you think of it, Will? 
You're what, five pages in? <laughs> How far am I yet? I am... Have you got to the Dune yet? Oh, you, you've just got to the end of the contents page. Page 22. Uh, we're, not, we're not even to Arrakis yet, so... All right. <laughs> I've been to the Box of Pain with the Reverend Mother, um, so... Oh, okay. You know. is, that like, is that like the opening scene? Essentially, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends if they go down the, um, the, the, the De Laurentiis, David Lynch route, where you have a bit of on-screen big face floating in space exposition because every chapter in the book is preceded with like a segment of a fictional book that exists in the world and they're all written by princess arulan so they're like they're called like the manual of mortadib so i don't know if he's going to do that where you have princess arula on screen set the world up in the in the david lynch version he had like little diagrams it was like a ted talk it was ridiculous <laughs> have you both seen the 84 version yeah uh, i have okay did i watch it with you at the prince charles cinema yeah we went yes. to do you guys know about the prince charles cinema no. mm -mm. so it's basically the new beverly of london okay. okay or rather the new beverly is the prince charles of la with the exception that prince charles will screen in digital as well as 70 millimeter and 35 so they have these 35 millimeter seasons where they'll get old prints and um it just happened to be that dune was one of them and if i remember josh you were fucking bored <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like i just rewatched the trailer for the 1984 version and the trailer is like really cool it's got really cool characters it's got great music like the visuals are awesome so i was really expecting some like proper 80s gold and it was really like creaky and quite embarrassing i found and just a bit dull and yeah i've got very very little memory of the actual film so like sadly i don't know if that's sadly or not i don't know are you guys fans i've never seen it i've um, never seen it either oh well don't bother i'm curious to watch it <laughs> obviously because we're going to talk about it on your guys's show I don't know if I'm excited for it. It is streaming on HBO Max, so I'm excited I don't have to pay for it. That's always nice. I never really had much of an interest in seeing the original because, A, I'm not a David Lynch fan. <gasps> what? <laughs> I know. I think it has to do with my age. I think that I think I'm going to turn 30 and I'm going to understand Lynch. At least I'm hoping I do. Um, I will also say that the only Lynch I've seen is the first season of Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive um oh, that's the best Lynch. and i okay mm. well maybe i'll revisit it yeah but the thing about dune is it's not lynch it's from a script right it's yeah. not lynch and he just happened to be the director for hire um i guess he did this because he didn't well he did this because dino de Laurentiis said if you do dune i will let you do blue velvet and you'll have final cut he's not even <laughs> what is he is that German? <laughs> um, but also, could you imagine if he actually accepted George Lucas's offer to do Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Like, it's almost like him doing that, but not... Well, and I was going to... In Dune, it almost seems like came out of that, like, post-Star Wars. Yeah. Mm. Flash Gordon. Right, exactly. So it makes sense that David Lynch, if he was going to do a space opera, he would do his own and not just a, a star wars episode uh, have either of you seen the documentary about Fodorovsky's dune no i really want to see that no so like there was this very elaborate plan to make dune in the 70s that just 
completely fell by the wayside. Like Salvador Dali was going to be in it. He was the emperor. Like there were there were ads in trades about this movie, and then it just never happened. Yeah, crazy. See, I want to I want to see that. Yeah, can't happen. This would now. have been pre Star Wars, mm. like mid seventies. Yeah. yeah, as a piece of high camp, that probably <laughs> something that would have bombed on release, but then gained a cult following. But I can't imagine what the special the special effects would have just been, like fucking ropey. It would have been literally people playing around in a sandpit uh the uh the concept art is wild but would they have been able to envision oh, probably not it's one to, one thing to take those star wars previs artworks but then if you don't have the money and then the the ideas of ilm behind you then you just end up with something that looks a bit like well flash gordon yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> This is probably something that just happens in my mind, and I don't really know why. So had this, you know, this new Dune version not been coming out, directed by a director who, like, I love, starring an actor who obviously I love so much that I, like, created an entire podcast about him, like, obviously I'm going to be excited for this movie. Javier Bardem. Exactly, yes. Chasing Bardem. It's coming soon. Will, are we working on that right now? Is that... That's I mean, I was... I I mean, that's on the back burner. The Oscar Isaac pod is... I mean, that's forthcoming uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's more realistic. The most violent Bardem, pod. Call that. Um, <laughs> that's a really good title. <laughs> or Popod. Oh, no. Um, before all that happened, that would obviously get me excited for this forth- forthcoming version of Dune. I got the movies Dune and Ishtar confused, and I think that's just because they were big bombs. It was Ishtar the 80s, or was Ishtar the 70s? 80s. I think it was the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think, and I, I believe it takes place in the desert. So I think that because those similarities happened, I thought Dune and Ishtar were either like one of like a, a series or the same movie. <laughs> so do you, by that, by that for- formula, do you believe that also in the Dune canon is Lawrence of Arabia? And Stargate. <laughs> yes. Stargate. I think that all, all those movies take place in the same universe. So that just, that, I, I like to table set with that because no one in the world is probably less versed in Dune lore than I. Yet I am so excited for this movie because of Timothy Chalamet's <laughs> hair. Well, his hair seems to have become a brand to itself and i wonder if he has really seriously put some serious thoughts to insuring his hair like j-lo insured her bum and fred astaire insured her legs and other people insure other things i'd have to imagine it's it it's it's got to be insured at this point every time he takes has a haircut does he have to get it approved by like the insurance company or (laughs) what are you gonna do they must have shit themselves when he was in the king like, were representatives present when they had to cut his hair for the king because they had to observe it? <laughs> they probably had to send a survey out just to make sure. Mm-hmm. A tape measure or a trundle <laughs> wheel because it was quite long by that point. It was really long in um yeah. in Ladybird, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Lovely little mane. Long in Ladybird. It was long for Beautiful Boy. Yeah, he, he was growing it out. Now, looking at his face and looking at his hair, it's it's insane to think that... He goes from, what was that fucking boring cowboy film that he was in? Hostiles. So he went from Hostiles to making Call Me By Your Name to making 
Ladybird all within the space of like yeah. nine months or something. Mm -hmm. And yet in Ladybird, he seems to have sprouted the jawline and his face has seemed to, I don't know, like grow out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Did he go on some sort of hormones or? He's just growing up. He's quite young. Puberty's a motherfucker, you know it. He's... <laughs> I just think it's that. Well, who who directed Hostiles? Wasn't it? It's the same guy who did like Out of the Furnace and. Oh, Scott Cooper. Alice Cooper. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he probably just didn't understand that Timothy was hot, whereas Luca Guadagnino <laughs> and Greta Gerwig understand that he's hot, so they knew how to shoot his chin. <laughs> The chin is also insured. Well, and and that just, I mean, Hostiles is the first time I, I talked about this on the episode that we did, you and I will, but the first time I watched it, I turned it off because he dies like 20 minutes <laughs> in. And then I watched it for real when Will and I were going to do the pod. But watching that movie, you don't really get a sense like, mm, this kid looks good in the desert. You know what I mean? So the <laughs> fact that he was top of mind for Dune is like pretty impressive given that, as you were saying, Robert, like, it's not that he uh, his chin or his jawline looks particularly great in those harsh conditions. So this is like his first, this is like his proper, first proper lead role. Unfortunately, it's his second. In like a big, oh really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, he had, he's done The King. Oh, okay. This is, this is like his first lead in like a big budget, like studio picture. Like depends on the box office takings and... But he is the lead, you know, Paul Atreides is the the lead character i guess he is the luke skywalker or rather the other way around but this is really a uh an ensemble because in that that initial press photo where they're all lined up he's not in the center it's not like nave campbell in scream on the cover mm -hmm. on the poster he's tucked off to the side so just for him i don't think he has to worry about carrying this film on his shoulders i don't think he has to have that pressure yeah I would, I would agree. And I feel like when you look at Denis Villeneuve's work, the film itself is the star. I mean, you can look at like Arrival and obviously like it's Amy Adams' movie and Blade Runner is obviously like, you know, Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford's movie, but like it's yeah. the immensity of the film that seems to be the star. And I feel like for Dune, it's like the production. It's like they went to the desert and shot this movie. They spent $200 million on you know, obviously it's based on a novel and Dune has a history. It's not like an unknown. It wasn't like an original screenplay, but like in a world where only Marvel movies and like big Disney pictures get that kind of money, like Dune is a big movie. And I feel like while Timothy like is bringing and Timothy and really the whole cast, I feel like, I feel like all of them have this really interesting balance between like art house credibility and blockbuster because you have like oscar isaac who does like a 24 pictures and star wars you have like rebecca ferguson who does like small roles and then like also does mission impossible i feel like everyone in the movie does that like balance it's not just like throwing you know i mean i don't you know we talked about pirates of the caribbean a bit earlier like i like orlando bloom he doesn't have like art house cred like you know i feel like if we're dune were made in 2004 it would be like orlando bloom playing paul atreides he did used to have art house cred he was in that boxing film like the milk boy or something but yeah, he tried he did try to have like an indie Katy perry just ruined his cred <laughs> they deserve each other and i they they deserve each other i don't want to get into it but good for them they're happy <laughs> oh are they going out together they paddleboard together uh i don't know if they're married but they had they just had a daughter yeah. they do yeah. paddleboard together i, I thought when 
did this news travel uh, recently adele mm. got into trouble for mm-hmm. dressing up for the notting hill carnival yes and i was and everyone was like bitching about <laughs> it and i didn't know it was adele i was like why are they having to go with katie perry <laughs> oh, I didn't that. yeah so just I... like katie perry now she's lost all that weight <laughs> yeah so let's talk about spice let's let's actually talk about the trailer because so I guess I, coming into this, I wasn't sure how many of us had actually like read the book, seen the source material. So it seems like all of us have kind of like a, a touch and go relationship with Dune. So watching this trailer, like I didn't really know what to expect. So let's just go around the horn and talk like initial reactions and then we can kind of dig into the macros of it. Robert, if you want to start. I've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm not I'm not overboard because I've been there before where I'm very excited about something and it's been a complete and utter disaster. So I've <laughs> learned my lesson from The Phantom Menace. So for the past 21 years, I've never let myself get too excited. But I love Denis Villeneuve's films. I genuinely like Dune. I genuinely like how smart and without sounding patronising, it is it is quite a grown-up thing. It is probably for a kid to pick up. It would be really fucking boring. The look of this film, it just looks like they've made the right choices. It's muted. It's not zipping about the place. It doesn't feel like it's spectacle for the sake of spectacle. It doesn't feel like the Avengers. It feels like its own thing. And it feels like Denis Villeneuve has been building towards this even though he might not have thought when he was making prisoners or enemy one day i will make dune it just looks like a nice natural progression from making prisoners and enemy and then making a rival and then you realize oh hang on he can do sci-fi and it looks really cool it's like steely blues and steely grays then he did blade runner and everyone went mental and it looks brilliant and now he's doing dune so i'm really really looking forward to it and it doesn't look like he's deviated too much from the book everything looks like it is very well grounded and like rooted in reality which is weird because it's set in the future on completely different planets i feel like that's something he as a director does so well and like i uh, yeah, like, it's interesting that he actually, like, when you look at it, his, I guess his only sci-fi output is Arrival, Blade Runner, and this. I guess there's sci-fi elements to Enemy. Yeah. But even, like, thinking of movies like Prisoners or Sicario, those are movies, like, very much set in the real world, but they have this, like, grandiose tone to them. And I, I always really attributed that to Deacon's cinematography because, like, anything he shoots just looks so, like, art and just it looks yes. like it, this is gonna sound so like basic, but it just like looks like film. Like it, that's just filmmaking. Like you know, we say it as a joke when like I don't know. Like I say it when like Megan Fox delivers a good line in Jennifer's body, but like that cinema. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> that's like he creates cinema. You know, this 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 push about Tenant. Like oh, it's gonna bring back theaters. It's like I actually would rather much rather see Dune bring back theaters because it just seems like something I want to go experience. And it very well might next yeah. February. we love a valentine's day release uh josh how about you what was your reaction to the trailer um i yeah i was wasn't expecting it to be quite so sort of dark and somber in tone like it it really not to like throw around hot 
topics but it really did feel like a sci-fi game of thrones kind of that weighty um sort of infighting and um yeah it just seemed it seemed to kind of tap into that that kind of darker side of sci-fi like i really the reason i'll always love christopher nolan is because he is somebody who brings a certain level of like legitimacy to the sci-fi genre like i love that everyone knows what tenet is everyone knows who christopher nolan is and it's it's not just like a shonky crappy sci-fi film it's like a proper thinking man sci-fi whether you like that or not um and i think that there aren't that many directors who are actually doing that who are actually bringing that credibility to a genre that was often in the past kind of just tossed aside as junk um so it's really cool to see Denis Villeneuve move into that that world and yeah it definitely feels like his kind of film I'm interested to see the context of some of the characters because you know like when Jason Momoa drops a one-liner it's a bit cringeworthy and Dave Bautista looks fucking awesome and I just want to know what he's gonna do and yeah it looks like a really unusual kind of film I was basically just waiting for the giant worm to turn up. Like that's that's all I wanted to see was Timothee Chalamet like fighting a massive <laughs> worm. <laughs> oh my god, that sand sphincter. Yeah, that's it's that's like a an... giant bumhole. <laughs> it really does. Um, Everyone, I mean, no one likes sand in their crack on holiday, do they? Um, that's why it's so angry. That's why it wants Timmy. <laughs> that was one of the interesting things waiting for the trailer and being someone who has a very minimal do knowledge is everyone talking about the goddamn sandworms and like having a little idea of what that's going to be and i was actually i'm I'm kind of liking that i'm going in like a little bit so dry dry for this movie because (laughs) you will have to go into that dry yeah absolutely (laughs) but because i i don't i feel like with the expect and this kind of plays into why i'm so excited for dune because when you go in with expectations for things like that obviously brings on like an entirely different level for it you know like going into like you were saying robert like a star wars movie like not only does it have to be like not only does it have to be good it has to be better like it has to be because there's just so much baggage and so much nostalgia wrapped into it i just get so excited when a studio says like yeah i'm we're gonna put 200 million dollars behind this like like I said, it's based on a book. It's it, there's a, there's Dune in the world, but it is not a Star Wars. It's not a Marvel movie. It's not a. It's not even like you know one of those like shitty new Fantastic Beast movies that Warner's <laughs> trying to put out now. Like there's not an established audience for this, and that's just so exciting when a studio takes a chance on that. Like I I actually compare it to. I remember in 2015, as excited as I was for Force Awakens, I was super excited for Brad Bird's Tomorrowland because it was just a new movie and as a Disney person obviously like, there's a lot of that I get excited for in that but and the fact that Brad Bird turned down Star Wars to make this instead because it it has the potential to be a new Star Wars it has a potential to like create something completely original and whether Tomorrowland I lived up it. right and whether Tomorrowland lived up to those expectations or not is like beside the point I still watch it like every year but that's just me um but with Dune it feels like they're taking that they're taking a big swing and you're right Denis Villeneuve like has the potential to do that and I feel like he also has the potential to expand upon something made in the past and I don't know if this will be controversial I don't know your guys's Blade Runner opinions I could take or leave the original Blade Runner it doesn't do a lot for me I thought Blade Runner 2049 was 
incredible. So I almost feel like Denis Villeneuve is like set to take something that was like done before and like kind of an okay, there's a cult following. Some people like it, some people don't. He seems like the guy to like improve on the shit that people are like mildly nostalgic for, if that makes sense. I'm with you on that. I I really don't, I'm really not much of a fan of the original Blade Runner. I find it needlessly boring, beautiful to look at, but completely soulless. Blade Runner 2049 is insanely good. Mm-hmm. He made that world enjoyable again. Yeah. It seems like he knows how to take these concepts. Like, they had the imagination to make them in the 80s, but the technology wasn't really there yet. And now it seems like he's the yeah. director who understands how to, like, create that story. And I think that comes from almost a combination of what we were talking about, where you watch, like, prisoners or sicario like there there's action elements to those movies that he obviously knows how to create an action sequence but those are such character driven dramas and then when you give him a bigger budget you give him a bigger story like arrival or blade runner like he 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 goes to that scale and i feel like sometimes when directors do that they lose the humanity and he keeps that and i feel like he does that by casting incredible talent like amy adams or um you know, Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner. And I feel like with this movie, like by cat, like we were saying with the art house credibility of like Timothy, Oscar, Jessica, like all these people, like he is going to root those human relationships in this crazy sci-fi world. And that's what's going to make it intriguing. <laughs> and yeah, there's giant fucking sandworms that look like buttholes and that's awesome. <laughs> I think it is definitely the fact that he doesn't lose sight of the story and everything comes from the narrative regardless of whether he's making enemy or prisoners or something as huge as dune it always comes down to what is the story and how best can we tell it regardless of what technology we're using but he also he also never does what you expect so sicario was kind of pitched as this like heat meat silence the lambs kind of thriller and it just wasn't that at all and then arrival was like an indie version of independence day and it kind of like it kind of was that but Mm. also it was so much more than that it was so emotional so if he can do the same pull off the same trick with june then i think that we could have something really special just as a as a by the by the book is over 500 pages long this film only covers the first half oh i didn't know that right so it's it's got to be successful enough to get the second half and that's a risk Mm. because if it isn't then we don't get to see timmy again as paul atreides we don't get to see the concluding part Hmm. so does Does the original lynch cover the entire book kind of i mean the original i mean the the dune movie that lynch made is so scaled down to the point where it doesn't make sense because they're jumping all over the place and they're not tying up those threads. Okay. This one, I imagine, is going to be a three-hour movie, and it's gonna, it's gonna cover a lot of ground, but still only half the book. It's gonna allow itself to go deeper. I don't think we have an official runtime yet on Dune, but I've got to imagine it's mm. got to be at least at the two and a half hour mark, if yeah. not longer. Yeah. I googled it and I couldn't find yeah. it, so I think they haven't announced it. It's like it's so weird how announcing the release they're like the running time for a film has now become this big fanfare moment where it's like oh my god the star wars is like two and a half hours long it's the longest star wars ever it's like a big news yeah give me a 90 minute star wars and i will oh my applaud. god yes give me 90 minutes anything <laughs> i think warner brothers is really banking on this being a hit because there's this game of thrones sized catalog of source material that if this does mm. if they shoot for the moon and they hit it 
this could be a new Star Wars because this is really it's really untrod ground. It would cover TV shows yeah. as well. They're planning. Uh, I think it's going to be Amazon Prime, and it's going to be centered around the characters that Rebecca Ferguson's care. I, oh, the the uh, the Bene Gesserit, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure if she's going to be in it, but I think Denise also like slated to direct the pilot for that, if I'm not mistaken. I would imagine so. This feels like scarily similar to The Dark Tower. That's what they tried to do with Dark Tower, <laughs> and it crashed and burned. Dark Tower didn't have Denis Villeneuve, though. Exactly. I mean, if you have, if you paid enough money for the the source material why would you deviate if you love the original so much if you love the book so much and you go it's the greatest book that's ever been written it's it's the pinnacle of my youth why would you then change it and that's the problem yep. with the dark tower they they tried to create their own thing and it was fucking terrible and joshua and i have gone through this before stephen king adaptations are either phenomenal or dog shit there's no gray Middle well, I, I think I think there's worse than dog shit, which is completely forgettable. <laughs> I've I've seen so many King adaptations that yeah. if you told me that I saw them, I would be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I regularly forget that I saw it chapter two. Oh yeah. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a good one. That film was getting like four and five stars across the board and I watched it and I was like, this is three at most. I don't understand why everyone went so crazy over it. That's another one where they were like, It's the longest horror movie ever made and it's like that's not a yeah. good thing. That's actually a really bad There was also <laughs> some weird stuff with it chapter two because yeah. didn't they like add a couple of like homosexual characters to it? Yeah, they made out the Richie who was played by um yeah but as a kid he was played by Wolf Finn Wolfhard just happened to be gay but that wasn't in the that wasn't in the book I quite liked that I didn't mind that at all I thought that the like a homophobic attack mm. scene that I felt was kind of tonally misjudged it was really gratuitous mm -hmm. and it was just but that is from the yeah, book I know that's from the book but it's still just That's the opening really page that's the opening of the book and and that triggers um can't remember the name of the character into realizing that mm. Pennywise is back. Mm. Yeah, it was nice to see Xavier Dolan in an English-speaking film. And I, I bring that up because I, in just doing a little bit of research before this, I like, I had this weird memory of like, wasn't there some controversy with Frank Herbert about him being like homophobic or something? So I was doing a deep dive into it, and I guess that he had a a gay son who was a gay rights activist who had a strained relationship with, and then in Dune, the antagonist character who's played by Stellan Skarsgård in the new movie, I guess is described as having homosexual tendencies i didn't get too deep into it because i didn't have time to you know scan through reddit but he might not be explicitly gay but i guess there's like some incestuous stuff there's some like molestation stuff and people were talking about that manifesting as his homophobia it doesn't really seem like there's a much conversation about that now i just think it's interesting to bring up right now because i was thinking like oh if that were to become a story and it's like this book is written by this like homophobe blah 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 the thing with Dune, if it's subtext, that they don't have to pick up on that and yeah, and 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 put it in in the film. And I imagine, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to go. Well, we've got this homophobic shit. We have to be yeah. faithful. We have to put it in. Who wants to play the homophobe? Come on, don't be shy. But they've shown that they're not completely adhering to the material because there is a character in the new movie who is a male in the text who is now played by a woman of color, correct? Yes. Keynes is almost like the link between the Atreides and the Fremen. Um, so I'm, in fact, that's the bit I'm up to in the book. He's integral to the story. He's like the pin that holds the two sides together. Mm -hmm. 
and it's great that they've chosen mm-hmm. a woman and a black woman yeah it's great and they've beefed up the mother role as well i was going to bring that up too because i feel like when you look at denise filmography especially looking at like sicario with emily blunt and arrival with amy adams to hear rebecca ferguson say like her role has been expanded and like what she's doing is more important like that makes sense to me when you look at his movies and he he seems to have a keen eye for showcase like even in prisoners like the characters played by like viola davis and maria bello don't get like a lot of screen time but they're still really important and he still cares about casting really good actors even in those smaller roles i guess blade runner is really the only movie where there's not like a female perf- i mean i guess anna de Armas is but also it came under it came under some heavy criticism because all yeah. the women are in service to the men yeah. which that's really the only movie of his that's like gotten that he doesn't really get that criticism a lot whereas like a, a tarantino or a scorsese like people are just like mm. for a dollar let a woman speak even nolan gets a lot of shit for all of his dead wives <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny when you think about the fact that his wife produces all of his movies but that's a conversation for a different podcast yeah um will do you want do you have any reaction as someone who's read 20 pages of the book to the to the trailer <laughs> 22 pages 22 22 let's be very precise here uh i'm I adore science fiction epics, so I'm, I'm excited just to see it and and looking at the trailer and seeing the general aesthetic of it being um, it's kind of darkness. It's very muted. Uh, when I when I watched the, after I watched the trailer, I looked into who um, who the director of photography is, and it's the it's the guy who did Rogue One, and he's also doing the Batman. Mm. He's yes. very good at darkness. Yeah, that kind of brown. Dirty. Um, so that's that's ex- that's exciting to me. Um, also, this cast is just so it's mm-hmm. so rock steady. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's watch. You know, Josh Brolin fight Zendaya as well. Oh, I, I love, love Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, what's she been She's in? She's the new Spider Man. What's she been in? She was MJ. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. She's really great in Euphoria. Was she in? Um... How old is she? Probably like 25 or 26. She's about Timmy's age. Yeah. Right. Okay. So she seems the sort of person that was in like high school musical films, yeah. but she's that kind of person, I think, but she was not actually being in them. Hold on. Let me just ask my boyfriend. He'll know. What was Zendaya in on Disney? Shake it up. You know, everyone's favorite. Was that a show or a movie? It was a show. <laughs> not to be confused with Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> she was in a show called Casey Undercover. I have heard of that. Oh. I haven't seen it. My boyfriend is my <laughs> translator for anything millennial, Gen Z, rising cusp. And for the sake of this podcast, he is currently Casey Undercover. Yeah, he is Casey Undercover. <laughs> You're Casey Undercover. Does he never... Is he like Maris from yeah. Frasier? Is he not allowed on camera? <laughs> Casey's, Casey's been on the podcast. He's not He's not, not allowed on Chasing Chalamet. He was on yes. our Little Women trailer reaction. He sure was. He gives me he gives me shit because at the time we weren't oh. officially dating. So when I introduced him, I introduced him as a friend of the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's all. What? Yeah, you can't. Yeah. yeah, you're still a friend of the podcast. We're just officially dating now. You're a boyfriend of the podcast. Oh, I feel like I had a really great segue and then we lost it, which is just like the definition <laughs> of my podcast career. Oh, I well, I was gonna say like as a as a 
podcast centered on Timothy, I guess we should spend a little bit more time expounding on him. Yes, please. We can expand him anytime. <laughs> I will always expand on him. <laughs> See, this is the exact kind of con- content we look for. On him, in him. <laughs> I just want to stroke his stroke his hair, stroke his face. You can't do that in the uh, social distancing. You can't do that <laughs> no, right now. No, he has Joshua. the mask. He has the June mask on. It's true. It's fine. With those little things that go into their noses, is that because they are bodysuits that take the moisture from the body and turn it into drinking water? Because Arrakis is nothing but sand, the planet Dune is called Arrakis. Dune is the uh, the the nickname. The silt suits are form-fitting, and they will take all your moisture, and they will put it back into your body or turn it into drinking water. And the only moisture you, you lose is the amount that can be fit into a thimble. Okay. This sounds like the perfect COVID yeah. outfit. Right. Or the perfect thing to wear when you piss so you don't wake up hungover. <laughs> oh, that's a really good idea. I like that. Well, I mean, all that all that to say <laughs> Timothy looks incredible in this costume. I'm just so excited. He looks like Batman. I really like him in that in that first I like him in that first scene where he's got his hand in the box and she's got the mm-hmm. gong jabber on his neck, the little pin thing. And he's got the high collar uh, sort of military style thing that looks great as someone who's so fashion forward in his life he like looks poised to be like futuristic royalty like i feel like that just makes so much sense for his aesthetic in the film so to see him like in those costumes and when he's like in the suit and then i think at one point he's in more of like a flowy tan almost like rayon jacku type outfit oh he's like in the black jacket with the big gloves Mm -hmm. but then there is a shot where him and zendaya are like on the top of this sand hill and he looks like he's wearing really shitty linen trousers. <laughs> like he's like he's playing golf in Spain yeah. in August. I'm not that doesn't it just doesn't work for me. Because he's obviously thin framed. I think if you wear something that's too ill fitting, it looks like he's swimming in Yeah. That's true. Maybe it was hot over there. I like at the end when he's being chased by the sandworm and he's got the like whole like headgear on. Like mm-hmm. and then I think he like pulls the mask yes. down the like that. I'm just very intrigued. Like that's almost like the Lawrence of Arabia look to me. Just his eyes. You could just see his eyes. <laughs> that's all you need. I mean, and that's really, I think what I'm excited, <laughs> like what I was saying earlier about how I'm excited for these, these like small human moments in the midst of this like huge sci-fi drama. I feel like when you watch him act in something like call me by your name and he's just giving you emotion after emotion after emotion to see that in no like in 20 minutes i'm gonna see like a sandworm fuck shit up <laughs> is just so exciting and this this must be like his first proper fighting martial arts like p- like really physical kind of role but yeah i'm excited to see him do that there is some of that stuff in the king but because oh yeah like i said he's very slim of frame he is lost in the armor mm. It, it's the very clunky. He can't pick up a sword. <laughs> when Will and I saw the king, <laughs> little baby Timmy, which I made all of us drive out to a Chicago suburb on a Tuesday night to see it, if I remember correctly, and I don't regret it for a second. One of my <laughs> things, I, one of my thoughts was like, you're right, he's drowning in that armor. He's much too, which I think that like that worked for the character. Like I thought we were supposed to feel like he was a little mm-hmm. overwhelmed. However, when it would cut to the fight sequences and he would have like the full mask on, I immediately was like, that can't be him. There's no way that's him. So I, 
I'm excited for this movie. It seems like he has less of a chance. I mean, I'm sure they use stunt doubles and whatever because it's Hollywood, but because he's not covered, I feel like he's got more of a chance to, we're actually going to see him do on-screen combat. And I imagine when they're sinking that much money, I mean, I'm sure the King had like a nice, like substantial budget because it was a period like war epic. But when you're putting 200 million into a movie, I'm sure the the uppers at Warner Brothers were like, yeah, we're going to teach you how to pick up a sport. I mean, there's only so much muscle you can put on that body, but I'm assuming he got as much as he could. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's his, um, it's his like Neo Keanu Reeves step in his career yes. is that going for the action the thing that struck me most is in that scene in the in the in the start where he's got his hand in the the pain box and he screams pain i don't think we've ever seen timmy so loud and so big before because everything is so so emotional and repressed and sort of down yeah. here and even his status comes low he sort of folds into himself mm -hmm. but here he's really regal and, and loud i don't think we've heard him shout on screen before it's like anguish like it's mm. i the, when you yeah. when you said that my first thought went to beautiful boy because he's obviously a drug addict so he's going through it you know but even then it's a lot of like internal you're right like he's crunched in on himself like he's crying he's snotting yeah. that is just like the anguish of like internal pain like it it, it seems yeah. it seems different but i think that there will be that because like there must be because i know the story mm -hmm. it is the the typical hero's journey that's the whole point of dune but it's definitely going to be more physical and it's i think it's going to be a louder performance mm -hmm. in that section i think i mean even even though he is young paul is young this is going to be more of more of a hero's journey feel than a a moody yeah. teenager yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's going to be the big jump is going from you know Laurie to this, mm. or you know Elio to this, or even Hal in the King. He started off as like a little shit teenager who then had to suddenly become King of England, and it's not too dissimilar here. But he doesn't start off as a shitty teenager. There's there's a line that Keynes says he they're chatting in the um in the ship with with leto the duke and paul asks a question and then Keynes in italics says something along the lines of the child has asked another adult question he's he's already wise beyond his years and that is timothy chalamet mm -hmm. timothy yeah. chalamet seems to have this you know this new york theater thing like jake gyllenhaal had it where you are you know, Jake Gyllenhaal was only what, 17, 18 when he made Donnie Darko, but he seems so much older and wiser. And I think Timothy Chalamet's got that even more, you know, it's 100% on top. Mm -hmm. So Paul is 15 in Dune? Paul is 15 in Dune. Timothy's 23? He's 24. Um, I, I was just, I was like, <laughs> I was just thinking about how he's still in his phase really where he's like, even when he's playing a character who like ages into an adult he like starts as a teenager but by like 21 jennifer lawrence was winning oscars for playing like 30 year olds and it's just so strange to see that juxtaposition 
But that's nothing to do with Dune. So do we know how old Paul ages into by the end of Dune? I don't think it's set over a very long period. Okay. No. So he, so Timothy is playing a teenager still. We're still in teenage teenagers. Yeah, okay. It is basically a, it's basically a bar mitzvah movie. Okay. <laughs> Space bar mitzvah. Yeah, and because I was, I was going to comment that this almost <laughs> seems like his first adult role, but he is still playing a fifteen-year-old. But I guess just having the gravitas of like Denis Villeneuve's name and the price tag and everything, like it, it I guess it almost, I would almost maybe then compare it to like Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio, like it's hard to remember that they were like 20, 21 when they shot that movie. And that's probably for me too, because I was just so much younger when that movie came out. But I watch that now and I'm like, oh my God, I thought these were like adult adults and they're like 20 year olds. So I'm wondering if like, you know, a nine, 10, 11 year old's gonna see Dune and Timothy Chalamet is just gonna seem like the most like badass leading man ever. What was Leonardo DiCaprio's first typically adult Critters Three, wasn't it? Film was it The Beach? I think it was Titanic. Yeah. No, because he was like he's he's no he's still a Titanic. kid in Titanic. It was Titanic. Then it was the Man in the Iron Mask. You could not have told six-year-old Dane that Leonardo DiCaprio was a kid in Titanic because I was like, that is a man. That is a full-grown <laughs> man. Weedy-haired man. Really? No, he's still really like weedy and thin he hadn't he hadn't bulked up for the beach at that point yeah so obviously we're all very excited for this movie it's a very positive reaction mm. we're looking forward to it obviously in an ideal world and maybe for you guys since then things seem to be going much better across the pond than they do for us here in america which they usually are i'm not saying that's new have you heard of brexit <laughs> yeah but brexit's not going to shut the well, cinema that's true cinemas will stay open through brexit However, would we want Dune to go the route of Mulan? I don't want to watch Dune for the first time on my my 13-inch MacBook Pro screen. I want to see it on the big screen. I will actively avoid watching it at home. Yeah, I would too. And and quite frankly, I don't I mean I pay I pay 20 quid for the cinema per month. I've got an unlimited card with this cinema brand called Cineworld. This is not a advert there are other ones out there but i pay 20 quid a month and i can see however many films i want for free it, you know i don't have to pay extra i don't really like the idea that these companies are almost taking advantage of the covid situation and putting films behind a 30 pound or a 30 dollar paywall it's really really shitty yeah so i wouldn't want dune to be tarnished in that way but also i don't want to watch it on the small screen it's been made clearly from this yeah. this trailer it's been made with the visuals that need to be seen on the big screen i can't imagine watching 2001 the space odyssey on an iphone i always try and see it on the big screen mm -hmm. whenever well, I, can. I think it's i think it's going to be generally it's too dark and too muted to get the right effect on home yeah. media anyway and i imagine you know some films you have to be in the cinema in order to not get distracted like if if roma had not been just on netflix over here i probably would have got more than halfway through it looked gorgeous but it was boring as fuck but in the cinema i would have stayed until it the was end. breathtaking in a cinema yeah i love roma certain films are made are made for the big screen mulan seemingly wanted to be in the cinema but is quite comfortable not being in the cinema mm -hmm. You need to be seen in the cinema. Yeah, it's the respectful thing. And it's interesting because while I, I think because I think it was initially announced for a December release, like I don't think that was like a, a push or anything. It kind of my my first thought with that was okay, they're they're going for the Star Wars slot because Star Wars kind of opened this like Christmas epic notion, which 
I personally liked, like, even though Star Wars seems like a summer movie, I always got excited to, like, go home and yeah. see it with my family. Like, I understood what they did. Because Dune doesn't seem to have that, like, family element to it, at least to me, it would be more home at, like, a May-June release date. So if it were to get pushed to that, it would obviously be disappointing because I want to see it as soon as possible but at the same time um i have to take into consideration that there's a pandemic happening so but it doesn't seem like a typically fun summer movie yeah star wars has the added bonus of being a huge global established brand and they are adventure films Mm -hmm. you know it's not a thinker you go to watch people cut shit up with you know a laser sword Mm -hmm. but i imagine they're sticking their their heels for this december release so it can be included in the Academy Awards mm. and all the other awards. And I think they announced that they're extending the window for that mm-hmm. this year. I think it's like through like February. So I think like if that's what they're going for, like at the latest, they might push it to February-ish. Mm. I, at this point, you know, I went to the movies to see Tenet. I think I, I would risk it for, I mean, I'd risk it all for Timothy Chalamet. I guess there's no reason I shouldn't risk it all for Dune. Do you have to wear masks over there? What's yep. the... Uh... What's the protocol? What was your experience with that, Will, at Music Box? Um, I went to our local, like, classic art house theater, and it was masks the whole time unless you're actively eating or drinking something. And everyone is spaced out much more than, like, six feet away from anyone else, which is great. So no one can sit directly in front of you. No one can sit directly behind you or beside you. That sounds blissful. I mean, yeah. I've also... I have seen so many movies in this like 750 seat auditorium with like 20 people. So I'm used to that feel in the room, Mm -hmm. but it did feel very clean, but it was, you have a mask on the whole time and you are vaguely conscious of that. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't feel unsafe. No one was coughing the whole time, which is rare in a movie theater in Chicago ever. But yeah, it is a, it's a masks on experience and it's, it's very odd. Yeah. It feels appropriate with Tenet, though, because, you know, he loves to cover people's faces. So it was kind of like he was going for like the immersive thing with Tenet. So I I saw Tenet at an AMC and the week before we went and saw um, the 40th re-release of Empire that was supposed to be bigger earlier in the year. And then they just pushed it. And at AMC, it's technically masks on, but it's the same thing where like if you're eating or drinking, you're allowed to have it down. And it got to a point where I realized I had finished drinking my drink and hadn't put my mask back up. And like, no one came in to check. Yeah. After the movie started, there were there were people that moved into better seats that were like directly behind us. No way. So the policing of the policies of AMC is a little more lax than I'm guessing it is at like a music box or like a local independent theater. So I, moving forward, would I'd rather go to those anyway. Just that's, I actually tried to get, tenant tickets at music box but they were sold out which is why we went to amc anyway but um those things are in place but like most places that are open how they're being enforced and policed is you know kind of case by case is that the only film you've seen since cinemas reopened yeah for me it's just tenant and then i saw empire the last thing i saw before tenant was onward in march me too yeah, same. That was my last film. Because that, that came out for like, that came out for five minutes before they went, oh. <laughs> last film I saw before lockdown was Dark Waters. Oh, uh, yeah. The male Aaron Brockovich. And then the first was Unhinged. I really want to see Unhinged. I think I saw Unhinged before I saw Tenant. Looks so good. My last one was The Invisible Man. No, Tenant was my first one. I really liked The Invisible Man. I've, I've seen three since going back. 
I've only seen three movies in theaters total in 2020. I saw Cats <laughs> on New Year's Day, which was Oh, why? What's wrong horrible. with you? Why are you punishing yourself? So January 1st was also the first day that recreational marijuana was legalized in Chicago. So we oh. were going to go to the dispensary and get edibles and then go see Cats. However, we didn't take into consideration the fact that everyone would <laughs> be going to the dispensaries on January 1st. So we bought our tickets for cats before we procured the edibles and had committed to seeing cats and then didn't get edibles. And we were in no state to drink because it was the day after New Year's Eve. So we saw cats stone cold sober <laughs> on January 1st. Tell me about, tell me about that. So is it just like, like a sweet shop, but for adults? So it, it's interesting. I, I will, I don't know if you've been to any of the ones I've only been to one in my neighborhood. Um, and it's a very interesting process where you have to show your ID to like eight different people and jump through all these different hoops. And they finally take you into like a storefront, um, especially with, and a lot of that might have to do with COVID as well. Um, yeah. But uh, you can buy edibles, you can buy, um, and I don't smoke very often or do edibles very often. So I will probably say, I'm one of those people who says like, I don't do marijuana. So like, I'm obviously very novice when it comes to this stuff. I think it's, they kind of have like that storefront option where it's like a sweet shop, but then you can just go buy like regular marijuana or. When you say edibles, what, <laughs> or like a sandwich? Um, like gummies. Oh, yeah, like brownies so we don't have that over here. We drink like fishes. You can get ones that are just like supposed to kind of like relax you. Like, and there's the different, there's the different strains where you can either like get the one that relaxes you and helps you sleep or the one that gets you like really high. Like there's the different like levels. And, and stuff. how much is that one? like what grams i think that i think the kind that we got were like 10 milligrams i want to say and, and will, were... that will make me melt completely yeah the first time we did it <laughs> we my boyfriend and i both took one and we watched the first star wars movie and it was really <laughs> overwhelming i did not enjoy that which which sorry which one a new hope but shouldn't it be really boring for the first hour because it's just alec guinness like mumbling about the place we did it right then that because we took it when we started it and then it kicked in once it got interesting so i just remember right. they were on the once, death star once guinness was out of the way yeah and i spent a lot of time thinking about how there were so many different costumes on the death star. i was like there's so many different levels it was really weird that's a podcast in itself exactly yeah. we got smart and we just ended up taking half an edible and watching national treasure and that was a much better experience that makes sense is that Nicolas Cage, that national treasure? Yes. What a treasure. Nicolas Cage, who is <laughs> a national treasure. So we don't have that over here. Yeah, we have him. Edibles. Sometimes. We have Nicolas Cage. <laughs> He's brilliant. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a really foreign thing to us. We we drink mm. like fishes, but everything else is very illegal and punishable by disproportionate times in prison. Well, which is... The problem in the United States is the legality is localized state by state. It's so weird in America because you have state law and federal law. Over here, we just have Well, we have law. EU law. Or we did have EU law, but that's going by the wayside. So, You know, they were integrated and it's basically all one. One, one question I can, I, I can link it yeah. back to June if you want. <laughs> the spice melange will turn their eyes blue right mm -hmm. how do you feel about that because that's quite striking when javier bardem takes his his face like shroud yeah. off and he's got these bluer than blue eyes 
the first thing that I thought of was, wow, I just really hope they do that yeah. to, to Timothy's <laughs> eyes at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly my only thought other than... It's quite striking. Yeah, and I was like, wow, Zendaya looks so pretty with those big blue eyes. Um, and then in reading on it, I was reading that their eyes turned that way because they're addicted to the spice, and then mm -hmm. I felt bad for thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if spice becomes available and legal in... I mean, I guess you guys are dealing with Brexit. In your dispensary. We have COVID and weed, and you guys have Brexit and no COVID. I don't know if, that's, if that's like a fair trade or not. Um, but hopefully in the end, we all, well, we, we, all a... we all get Dune. That would be the great equalizer, I think. Would you go to a dispensary before watching Dune, or would you watch it first and then go to a dispensary? <laughs> I wouldn't watch it high. Because it the... looks kind of trippy. It does look trippy. I wouldn't watch it high the first time. I don't like when any sort of uh, drug or alcohol alters my experience of something for the first time. Yeah. Cats would have been the exception to that rule because I knew what I was getting into and I'd seen the stage musical. <laughs> but I could definitely see going to do it on a second watch under the influence of something if if I were to say that would be a good idea. I don't drink in the cinema because gets I get very comfortable and I fall asleep. Mm. And I can't follow along. The first time I saw Spider-Man Homecoming, I was... I was quite drunk. It was actually London Pride and I, I went to the cinema in the afternoon because I didn't want to go into town drinking. <laughs> so I was, but I was wasted because I'd been watching the parade and then I couldn't keep up and I had to leave halfway. Mm. So I wouldn't want that to be my first experience of Dune. So that all being said, I, I, I know that at this point, Dune is a little ways away and it might even be more of a ways away, but do you guys want to tease what we're going to be doing on your guys' podcast, Torn Stubs? I love it. I love the way you said us guyses. <laughs> How do you plural? How do you make a plural out of guys? It's already plural. It's like you're, it's like you're cubing it. We're just here, bastard. We're just here, bastard. It's we are extra. Everything's a little bit more. Um, on our podcast, we are going to discuss David Lynch's classic, Dune. I'm really looking forward to it. And then over on your podcast. On Chasing Chalamet, we're going to be covering Dune 2020 with you guys. Yeah. Us Guises will be on Use Guises. Dune's Guises podcast. Um, do you guys want to plug your podcast so people can start listening to that before we do our epic Dune crossover in December? Yes, Us Guises do a podcast called Torn Stubs. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and that's it. We haven't put it anywhere else. <laughs> we talk about movies. We are in the midst, actually, of um, a series all about non-superhero comic book movies. So we've got about three or four more to record. We've been put. Usually, we put them out weekly, but for for lockdown. We just put them out in blocks of three or four so people could binge. But we've covered in the past Xavier Dolan. We've covered all of Sofia Coppola. We've covered all of Quentin Tarantino. And prior to that, we did about 60 or 70 episodes of random movies. So there's a lot in there. We've done, I've lost count, maybe 110, 112 episodes so far. There's shitloads in there. Thank you guys so, so much. I know it's a little bit later there in england so we don't want to keep you guys oh, it's too long it's not even nine o'clock here it's bedtime <laughs> we're gonna go down the dispensary and get some eatables. <laughs> great well thank you guys so much for joining us <laughs> thanks for having us where on. can we find you both individually yes please promote your individual social media for the podcast we are on twitter at torn stubs pod come and give us a message 
um come and get trolled by me josh will what's your twitter uh mine is at josh winning which is w-i-n-n-i-n-g um and i'm on instagram as joshua winning um that's it i think lovely my instagram is robert g underscore 1983 you can have a look at all of my photography perfect uh you can find me on twitter and instagram at the dane mcdonald and our show is on twitter and instagram as well on twitter it is chalamet chasing and instagram it is at chasing chalamet uh, you can email us at chasingchalamet at gmail.com. Uh, and while you're listening, please consider giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Share the podcast with your friends, your family, uh, the Timothy Chalamet stands in your life. We would love to boost up that listenership before we dive into the great big world of Dune. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This has been really good fun. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal is spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. Later.